Jesus, would you teach us to care about the things that you care about? Would you teach us to hate the things that you hate? Would you teach us to be desperate for you? Would you light a fire in our hearts that could not be extinguished by all the lies of the world around us? Would you change our lives, Lord? Change our lives because we want you to change our lives. And for those of us who are apathetic, Lord, I know I've, there have been t- times in my life when I've been apathetic. Lord, for, for those who are, who are apathetic, Lord, would you not let them go down the path of apathy anymore? And Lord, we're just asking for all of us that you'd, that you'd cause us to want you more than we do. Change our hearts, Lord. If there's anything in us that needs to change, would you change it tonight? We're asking, in, in, uh, we're crying out for your Holy Spirit to be poured out through the cornerstone out of this campus. And Lord, would it be stronger in the days to come than we've ever been before? Strengthen us, oh Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, you guys still with me? Okay. You guys remember what book of the Bible we're studying? Okay. Guys, when I ask questions, I expect everybody to answer, Okay. I mean, I don't know what's going on in this world, but I'm, I'm, I'm not here because I didn't have, because I was bored. I'm here because, I, because we're participating in this. I'm serious. Let's, let's participate in this. When I ask a question, answer the question, okay? I'm, does that sound like I'm upset? I'm just saying, guys, we're, this is not a performance. This is Bible study together, okay? Okay, so we're, we're studying the book of Acts. The book of Acts is an account written by Dr. Luke, of what Jesus' spirit did in the lives of his followers in the years after he left. You guys remember this. We're in Acts chapter 19 tonight, and what we've seen is that the Holy Spirit has done so much through people, and we're going to see more tonight. So Acts 19, verse 1, when Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. If you guys remember, Apollos is the guy that Anna said is her favorite Bible character apart from Jesus. And she talked about him a couple of weeks ago. She led the Bible study. You can get that on the podcast, I think. Was that on podcast? I hope it was. Um, and you guys, there is a podcast. You can, get on, you can go on the, on the website. And if you um, miss a night here, listen to it, guys. This, this study through the book of Acts has been exciting. So Apollos was at Corinth, and Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. This is in modern-day Turkey. There he found some disciples. And, and would you guys, if you have your own Bible, would you underline the word disciples? And he asked them, Paul asked them, did you guys receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Okay, underline these words also. Underline, so underline disciples in verse 1. Underline the words Holy Spirit in verse 2. And underline the words believed in the last part of verse 2. They answered, no. We, didn't, we haven't even heard there's a Holy Spirit. Okay, have you guys heard of the Holy Spirit? Yes. Okay, thank you. Okay, can somebody please define for me what is the Holy Spirit? Or who is, was that again? The counselor. He is the counselor. He's in some of the versions of your New Testament, in John, he's called the counselor. Okay. What, but, okay. But what is, who is the Holy Spirit? He is God. That's right. Second, Second Corinthians 3.17 says that the Spirit is the Lord. Okay? He's the Lord. He's God. But so what's the difference between God, the Holy Spirit, and God the Father? Holy Spirit, the Holy, the, I mean, they're, they're both, they're both God, but the Holy Spirit is the, is the God in you. The Spirit of God living in those people who believe in him is what we call that is the Holy Spirit. It's, it's the divine presence 
in you. He is God, the creator of the universe, in you. Okay? So the Holy Spirit, and, and really, guys, the, the word spirit, you know, what's a spirit? Yeah, well, there you go. What is it? <laughs> okay, spirit, the, the word for spirit in Hebrew is breath. The breath of God. The holy breath of God is what we're talking about. Now, now obviously, the breath, is, that's, a, that's some type, some metaphor, because obviously breath is a physical thing, and the spirit is a spiritual thing. But it's, it, think about when you breathe. In fact, just, just do that right now. Just close your eyes. And breathe in. Just imagine yourself just sucking in the, the spirit of God. There's always oxygen in your lungs. There's always the Spirit of God in those of you who have the Spirit of God living in you. So, he asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit? They're like, no, we didn't even know what that is. And so Paul asked, then well, you guys are disciples of what? And they said, well, we received John's baptism. And Paul says, like, oh, I get it. You guys are, you guys are those, that, that group of people. John, Paul said John's baptism, and then he's, he's like, he explains to them, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. John told the people to believe in the one coming after him. Who's the one coming after him? Jesus. Jesus. And he says it right there, that is Jesus. And they're like, I think they're hearing for the first time who that person is. Okay, they hear that, the, that Jesus is the one who John had talked about. And on hearing this, they're like, oh, well, then in that case... What do we got to do? On, on hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. There were about 12 men in all. Now, what's the question that he asked them? Did you receive the Holy Spirit? And what's the answer? No. no. So here we've got a group of, quote, unquote, disciples who didn't even know there was such a thing as the Holy Spirit. So, did these people know Jesus? Were these people saved? It's important that you understand this, because if you misunderstand this portion of Scripture, it's going to be easy, it's gonna e be easy for you to get some wrong theology. Okay? So, did they belong to Jesus? And the answer is in Romans 8 9. So, Flip over to Romans 8 9. There's an important verse that you guys should circle in your Bibles. Romans 8 9. Read that verse and tell me, did these people belong to Jesus prior to meeting Paul? No, they didn't. Why? What does Romans 8 9 say? What, is, what does the second half of Romans 8 9 say? It says, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ... They do not belong to Christ. Okay, the confusion is that they're called disciples here. And if they don't belong to Jesus. So, so don't misunderstand this as being people who are disciples of Jesus. They were disciples of Jesus in the fact that they were, that they were following the teachings of John the Baptist that pointed to Jesus. But these people were, had not come to the point of putting their trust in Jesus for their salvation and having the Holy Spirit come and live with them. Is that okay? So how did this happen? That they, how, how did it happen that they were disciples of, of John, but they didn't have the Holy Spirit in them? They, they didn't know. They didn't know because what 
probably they found out from the from Apollos that Anna talked about a couple weeks ago. Remember that was one of the things that Apollos had been corrected. He'd had his theology corrected by. Do you guys remember who the two, the couple was? Priscilla and Aquila. And that and he was an eloquent speaker. Remember that's what we're told. So he's powerful, powerfully proclaiming what John the Baptist had preached. And he had just, he had people following him. And so these are probably some of those people. So these people had an intellectual understanding of John the Baptist pointing to Jesus. But here's what it is. They didn't know Jesus personally. Did they believe? Yeah, they believed that there was someone coming. They believed some things. They knew some things. They knew about Jesus a little bit, although they might not have known his name. But they didn't know him personally. Here's the point. Guys, it's possible to be an intellectual or a religious disciple and still not know him. Not have him in your life. In fact, Jesus warned us about this. Back in, she just mentioned Matthew 7. Matthew 7. Let's look at verse 20 in Matthew 7. Jesus talks about people that know about him. And this will scare some of you. For some of you, it's not scary at all. Matthew 7, verse 20. By your fruit, you will recognize them. How do you know who belongs to Jesus? Look at their life. By their fruit. Jesus says in verse 21, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only those who do the will of my Father who is in heaven. In other words, there's going to be a lot of people who are like, they're going to talk all about me. they got the, their theology down. They've been to the merge. They've been to church. They've been to the seminary. They've even been on some mission trips with Steve. And they don't know me. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? And I will tell them plainly, we don't know each other. I never knew you. Away from me, you, you evildoers. So here's the question I, want, I got for you guys. I got the same question for you that Paul asked. Don't misunderstand what I'm asking. But did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? That's the question that Paul asked them, right? I'm asking you guys the same question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And don't misunderstand. I'm not saying, guys, don't misunderstand and think that I'm saying that you receive the Father in your life and then you move a little further along and now you receive Jesus in your life and now you move a little further along and now you receive the Holy Spirit in your life. That is not what the Bible teaches. In fact, that's what we just read in Romans 8 9, right? We just read in Romans 8 9 that if the Spirit of Jesus doesn't live in you, then you are not a believer. You're not a person who's put your trust in Jesus. And the flip side of that, the opposite of that, is that if you have put your trust in Jesus, then his Spirit lives in you. It's impossible for you to receive Jesus without receiving his Spirit, according to Romans 8 9. Is that what we just read? Okay, that's right. In fact, and part of the reason is because we misunderstand what Jesus is. Maybe we understand a lot of times, maybe we misunderstand what the Holy Spirit is or who the Holy Spirit is, but we misunderstand what Jesus is. 
Jesus is a man. Did you accept Jesus in your life? Did you accept Jesus in your heart? Did Jesus, does Jesus live in your heart? Does, is there a physical man living in your heart? No. It's, well, the, does Jesus live in your heart? Absolutely. But it's not a physical living in your heart. It's not a, he's not physically there. He is a physical man. Jesus, this, you know, wrap your brain around this. Thing. Jesus is a physical man who will come back to earth someday. And in the meantime, he stepped off the earth so that he could give his spirit to all of you. His, but you have Jesus in your heart. It's, it's not something physical that's in there. It's his spirit that is in your life. He promises that he will come and live in your life. Not physically. He lives in you spiritually. He is the spirit. That's what 2 second, second Corinthians 3.17 says. That the Lord is the spirit. Now, this, now Jesus is obviously more than spirit. Jesus is a physical man. But it's his spirit who lives in you. Just think about this. That the spirit of Jesus is omnipresent. But Jesus as a physical man is not omnipresent. It's, he's omnipresent. His omnipresence is through his spirit. Does that make sense? I think it helps us to, to understand that. But here's what I want you guys to get. When you surrender your life to Jesus, you are adopted out of the kingdom of darkness and you are placed into the kingdom of light you are placed into the kingdom of Jesus. The God of the universe comes and lives inside of you, takes a home in your life. You become his, and he becomes your master. You are given new life. Your old nature is put to death, and you are made alive in him. You are given eternal life. You cannot die. Because he lives in you, you cannot continue to walk in sin. You cannot help but be transformed. The seed of the word of God is planted in your life, and it will grow, and it will produce fruit inevitably. And when that happens, your desires change. You change. You become a new person. Your life changes. All of your sins are forgiven. All of your diseases all of your hardships, all of your sicknesses will eventually be healed. All of the things that you long for will be answered. All of your desires finally answered in him. You have authority over the devil because you are in Christ, and Christ has his feet on the head of the devil. So the devil has no right to your life. You are a part of a family, the family of God. That outlasts your earthly family for eternity. Your life has now, if you have trusted him and if his spirit lives in you, your life has been given purpose and you have meaning to your life. You are a child of God filled with his spirit just like the breath that you breathe again and again. Breathing in his spirit day after day after day. So, do you guys hear what I just said? That describes you if you have come in contact with the Spirit of God if he lives in you. Has that happened to you? Think about it. Has that happened to you? If it has happened to you, praise God. If it hasn't happened to you, then look at what, happened, what, what happens in verse 5 to these people. On hearing this, they're like, oh, thanks, Paul. Glad you told me. 
they don't excuse themselves, they don't defend themselves, they don't try to push their theology, they just humbly say, thank you for sharing that with us, and they are baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues, and they prophesied. What I want you guys to see is what, that when they realized that there was power for living available from the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit in their lives, they said, I want that, and they surrendered to him. They were baptized into, you guys see what they're baptized into? What does it say? The name, somebody, y'all, y'all got parts of it. The name of Jesus. Notice that Dr. Luke, who's writing this, doesn't just say they were baptized in water. He doesn't just say they were baptized. He says specifically what they were baptized into. They were baptized into the name of Jesus. What does that mean? Remember what baptism means. Baptism means submerging, soaking in something. When we baptized Charlie this summer right out here, we soaked him in water. I had to push him down and get him all the way under there. But that's, that's symbolic of something that's happening. If you weren't soaked in the name of Jesus at the time that you believed, but you got put underwater, all you did was get wet. That wasn't a baptism. That was simply a getting wet. And God's not impressed with a public bath. He invites you to be baptized into the name of Jesus. And then what happened? They get baptized. They, they get baptized into the name of Jesus, and then notice what happens. Paul puts his hands upon them, and what happens? The Holy Spirit comes upon them, comes on them, and there is, there is. They speak in tongues, they prophesy, but something happens. There's a change. So, here's my question for you guys. Again, same question I asked a minute ago. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Or did you just follow some type of intellectual line of thinking and get put under the water? If you did, was, is that bad? No. That was good. You should know intellectually about Jesus. You should be baptized in water. But Jesus didn't come to die so you could know a little bit more about stuff. Or even know a little bit more about him. He didn't come to die so that you could have a good life. He didn't come to die so you could be a little more religious. He came to die so he could know you. Because he wanted to know you. That was his dream from the beginning, that God would live on this planet by dwelling in his people. That's his dream, and he hasn't given up on it. What God wants is to live with you, to be in you, to lead you, to guide you, to know you, that you'd know him. Guys, let's stand up and let's pray, and then we're going to break into groups. Would you guys just, actually, I want to ask you guys to pray this with me. Would you just, would you, would you think about what I'm saying? And would you say, if you've, if you've, if you're a person who's like, man, I don't think I know Jesus, then tonight's night. Tonight's night. You say, Jesus, I want you.
And I'm going to lead you in this prayer. But guys, let's all pray this. Because even if you've prayed this prayer before, it doesn't hurt to say it to him again what you want. Here, let's pray. Say, Lord Jesus, I turn from all of my selfish ways. Tonight I'm repenting and turning to you. I surrender all of my life to you. I don't just want to know about you. I want to know you. Give me yourself. Give me your spirit. Change my life. Baptize me. Soak me in you. I trust you with my life. Guide my life, Lord Jesus. I surrender all that I am to you. Amen.